0: This is Mystical Text with Adol Kazilski. Shavuot Tov and hello everybody. Welcome back to Mystical Texts. We've had a, a little bit of a hiatus with the public holiday and the week before being Shavuot. So we're a little bit rusty and out of the loop of things, but it's very easy to get back into stuff. And today I'm really excited to share with you um, a passage in Torah which is quite enigmatic it's it it's on a, on a very very practical level on on just looking at the verses it's quite a strange passage to describe um much has been said about it and what i'd like to do is take you on that journey just read firstly all the verses so we actually understand the the context the scope of what we're talking about and then start looking at the things that just don't make sense. After all is said and done, though, um, we are going to have to look mystically. We're going to have to look from a Kabbalistic and Hasidic perspective as to understand what lesson we can actually learn from uh, this entire episode. Because really, practically, it, as you will see, um it's 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 not pleasant. It's not a, a pleasant story, and it doesn't shed um, good light on on too many people. If you recall, we are finishing up the parsha, the, the 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 chapters that pertain to Noah. Noach's life was a very very colourful one, a very very um, intense one in many many places. Um, him being the the man who will survive a world dest- destruction and having the the responsibility to rebuild it again, and um, we followed through on how he built the ark. What happened during his sojourn in the ark when he came out of um, the ark? And when we finished up last uh, two, two, three weeks ago, um, we had the promise from God, the covenant from God, uh, that He would never, ever, ever uh, bring another flood again to the entire world and destroy it in its entirety. And then we have a couple of, um, verses. In fact, I think it's probably, yeah, it's nine verses where things don't really read right and then the story isn't very pleasant. So if anybody has, uh, the convenience now of having a chumash, at the five books of Moses in front of them, we're looking at chapter nine, which we, and we are going to start on verse 18. Chapter nine, verse 18. Um, this is the sixth uh, reading of the parsha of Noach Shishi. Noach minateva Shem, Cham, Now the sons that came out of the ark, their names were Shem, Cham, and Yafet. VeCham Cham was the father of Kanaan. These are the three sons of Noach, and from them, the whole world was repopulated. So here you've got two verses, um, really telling us inconsequential stuff, not really inconsequential, but superfluous stuff. Because we do know that the names of Noach's sons were Shem and Yafet. So why are you telling us that again? Second of all, they are not in order of uh, the the chronology of how they were born. Shame was actually the youngest, okay. Um, and secondly, even more superfluous than all, and this is where I want to concentrate on, is it says, "Veham hu Avi Ham was the father of Canaan or Canaan as we know it um, in English terms. So what? The truth of the matter is is that shame, Ham, and Yafet, all three of them, had many children. They were in fact responsible for the repopulation of the world. So why right now are we concentrating on the fact that Ham had a specific son called Knan? There's no story behind here. There's nothing to be said. This verses, these two verses, seem to have the context of these are the sons of Noah: Ham, and Yafet From these three sons, the whole world repopulated. So, what if um, Ham was the father of Canaan? Very, very strange, indeed. But we're going to put that question on a back burner. Because we're going to see the context in which it fits once we follow the various other uh, verses. So we're going to now look at verse 20 of chapter 9. And it says as follows. Vayachal Noch isha adama. Noch began to be a man of the soil. Vayita karem. He planted a vineyard. Vayesht min and he drank from the wine, obviously from the vineyard. Um, it produced grapes. He made wine. Vayesht min ha'yayin, he became drunk. Vayitgal betoch and he uncovered himself in his tent. Vayar cham avi Here we have it again. Now the father of Canaan saw him. Et ervat aviv saw the nakedness of his father, or saw his father naked. Va'yaged lishne echav b'chutz. He went and told his two brothers outside. Va'yikach shem ve'yafid et hasimla. So Shem and yafed, the other two sons, take a cloak. V'yasimu et shechem shenechem. Sorry. V'yasimu al shechem shenechem. And they place it on their shoulders. V'yelchu achoranit. They walk backwards. V'yachasu et ervat avihem. They cover the nakedness of their father. Ufnehem achoranit. And their faces have t- are turned away. And the nakedness of their father they did not see. Verse 24. Noach wakes up from his wine-induced sleep, basically. et He realizes what his small son has done to him. Vayomer and he says, Arur Kanaan, eved avadim ihieh lechav. Cursed are you, Kanan, the slave of slaves. You will be to your brothers. vayomer and he continues and says, this is not speaking, Baruch Hashem Elokei, shame. Blessed is the God, the, the Lord of shame. Vayhi Kanan eved lamo. Kanan will be... His slave. And Yaft Elokim Le may God expand Yefit. Yishkon Be shame, he should dwell in the tents of shame, Vahiknan and let Canaan um, be his slave. So there you have it. Um, there's nine verses of the probably a pretty crazy story. Really, really strange We don't know what Ham did We can't explain it All we know is that Ham lands up getting cursed um, Shame gets praised Yafit has to live in the shadow of shame and Ham And um, the whole story just sounds A pretty far-fetched, um, out-of-context situation That we can't really, really learn too much from but we know that when Torah takes time and spends um, any immeasurable amount of, of letters and words um, on a story There has to be something um, very, very important that we, we have to learn from in 2019 And there must be much more to the story than what meets the eye So I want all of you to hang on to to this story and when we come back from the break we'll learn more. In the meantime This is Mystical Text with Adol Kazilski Indeed, and we are really going to have to rely on the mystical text to understand what we are learning. But for now, let's give a little bit of context and understanding about what, what, what is really, really happening over here? So our introduction was that basically the world was populated by the three sons, Shem, Ham and Yafet. And basically this, um, these, the first two verses are here to indicate that their sons left the ark in peak, in peace. They were healthy. They hadn't. Uh, they hadn't been hurt badly in the ark, or had suffered terribly. That they couldn't function. In fact, on the contrary, they were hundred percent. And they, these three sons, are the guys who repopulate the earth. The fact that Ham um, is the father of Canaan will now fall into the story behind the next couple of verses, where we understood again, just as a pracy, Nach plants a vineyard, makes wine, he gets drunk, and he uncovers himself in the in his tent. His son, Chum, sees him, tells his two brothers. His two brothers come, cover him up. They don't look at him. And afterwards, when um, uh, Nach wakes up, it says he sees what his youngest son has done to him, curses him, and he blesses shame and blesses Yafet. That's really the preci. So let's get into understanding really what, what this is all about. So firstly, we're told that what we see here is Noah falling from the status of Noah Ish Tzaddik Hayab that Noah was a Righteous man in his generation Suddenly we see Noah In a very degraded In a despicable situation In a place that brings a lot of Negativity on him What happened? We're told that firstly Noah planted a vineyard Like Many rabbis question Why a vineyard? So we're told that He should have really, really learnt uh, The lesson Um Many, not many, some opinions hold That the tree of life, good and evil That Adam had sinned with was in fact a vineyard Some say it was an apple tree Others say it was an etrock tree Um, There's many opinions There are some opinions that hold that it was in fact a vineyard Um, And he really, really should have understood um, If we fall on that opinion That um, he definitely don't go uh, plant a vineyard, because vineyards tend to, to, to bring about negativity. And the way that it's described, it says, Vayachel Noach. Now, Vayachel, the root of this word is halal, which means to begin, but it also is the same root as the word profane, when we talk about a chilul hashem, when we talk about a profanity of God's name, which means that Noch profaned himself. Previously, he was a holy man, and now he made himself profane. Okay, um, why did he really, really do that? It said that, in one sense, we can kind of give him the benefit of the doubt because when he left the ark, what he saw was just mounds of dry earth, which was a result of the flood. And he started to begin to clear the ground and to plow it. And the soil was extremely dry. And it looked as if no water had touched the ground for a while. Um, and it was very, very hard. And um, the Midrash goes and tells us that Noch had merit because he was a righteous chap. And a gentle rain fell. It moistened the ground. And he started planting. Now, the first question that we can ask even before we get it stuck into the main story was, well, where did he get the seeds for the vineyard? So we are taught that um, one uh, a miracle happened and one of the rivers that came out from Gan Eden, from the Garden of Eden, actually carried a twig uh, for him. And he was excited to see that and so that's what he chose to plant and God actually even caused a miracle for him. And this vineyard grew overnight. It grew within a 24 hour period, which allowed him to immediately harvest the grapes and make, make, make wine. Um, and why did he do that? Because he came out of the, the, the ark. He was pretty depressed when he saw that he was in fact alone in this world that he was surrounded by wild beasts and this was kind of like a little bit of an outlet of let me like normalize things and in a sense let me even lose myself a little bit um to drown away so to speak the horror the devastation that 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 that, that he saw so um he drank the wine but unfortunately, it had a very bad effect on him. He became intoxicated. And we have got um, the understanding that he he exposed himself in his tent. Other rabbis, however, look at the word ohalo, his tent. And if you are holding a chumash in front of you, you will see that ohalo is actually read one way But it's spelt another way The way that it's spelt is Aleph, He, Lamed, He When it should really read Aleph, He, Lamed, Vav Ohalo, Ohel, Tent Ohalo, His Tent Which we read it that way But when we look at it It's Ohala, Her Tent So our rabbis teach that um In fact What was happening here was that he became intoxicated and he entered the tent of his wife. And he got involved in being intimate with his wife. Now, very interestingly, um, this entire episode um, obviously did not pan out well, which we are going to see. And one of the things that the rabbis teach About physical intimacy between a husband and wife, which in in Torah viewpoints is considered a holy act, it is a sublime act. It is um, a an act where the presence of the people of of the of the minds of the two people coming together should be pure. Um, Because he had degraded himself in, in 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 an intoxicating manner. The rabbis, um, there is a law in the Shulchan Aruch that says That if one of the partners is drunk One is not allowed to be involved in physical intimacy Where do we learn it from? From what happened to Noah So what actually did happen Is that following the storyline of him Finding himself in his wife's tent We are told that the son of Ham now you're going to see where the penny drops And a puzzle piece fits in The son of Ham, Canaan Happened to walk into his grandfather's tent And he saw what he saw And he ran to tell his father Kham. Ham Cham followed back Canaan to the tent He sees that his father is Indulging in uh, physical intimacy He was He had a moment of anchor, anger He said My father already has Three sons um, Adam originally only had two We understand one murdered the other But my father has three sons How dare he try to have Another and make it four So he kind of like was threatened By the possibility Of having another uh, brother and he unfortunately went in a moment of 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 uh, um, heat, I guess, and in anger, he performed um, a very crude operation. He castrated his father. He sterilized his father so that he would not have any more children. That's what really happened, okay, inside the tent. Once he had done that he went outside and he told his brothers listen my our father is lying um, in the bed exposed shame and japhet um, were greater tzaddikim than ham and as just as a side note ham um, himself had degraded himself already we know, and if you listen back at the podcasts of us discussing what was happening inside the ark, when everybody entered the ark, we were, they were told specifically that they could not involve themselves in physical intimacy, because at a time of such huge disaster and destruction, one cannot um, involve oneself in, in pleasure for oneself. And that was not allowed in the the ark, unfortunately, Ham and his wife did not listen, and they did come together um, in physical intimacy, and in fact uh, gave birth to a child from that union. Many commentators hold that this was in fact Canaan, Canaan, the son of Ham. So now what we are seeing later on is that this accursed son, so to speak, this son that was born of a relationship that was forbidden, now comes upon his grandfather, sees it, tells his father. So both the father and the son are are people who, who, who have involved themselves in that which wasn't allowed, which wasn't correct, which wasn't, um, allowed by God, and he they see what they they see what they see, and Ham goes and castrates his father. Shame and Yafet, on the other hand, were perfect saints. They showed a tremendous amount of respect for their father and realized that their father's dignity had been uh, destroyed by Ham So they walk in backwards into the tent and they cover their father. They don't even glance at him because it says in the verses very clearly, they placed it on their shoulders, they walked backwards covering their naked father. They faced away from him and they did not see their father naked. So they were extremely careful in holding up the dignity of their father um in this really, I guess, very vulnerable situation that he that 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 Noah found himself. And in fact we were told that if you look at the verses very, very carefully, um when you look again at the grammar, and this is what's amazing about learning the verses in its original form in the, in, 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 in original Hebrew, because it says much more than in a translation that you'll find. It says, Vayikach Shem ve'yafet And Yafet and sh- Shem and Yafet took, but Vayikach, and he took, meaning they took the, the cloak. Vayikach is in fact in the singular. But when we're told who picked up the cloak, we're told that it was both Shame and Yafet. So what did the rabbis learn from this? And he took Shame and Yafet. That's how it's actually translated. Not, and they took Shame and Yafet. So our rabbis come to teach that it was actually Shame, okay, um, who said, listen, we need to go cover up our father. And Yafet joined in solidarity with Shame, even though it was not originally his idea. So shame took the cloak together with Yafet then, meaning it indicates that shame acted first. Very interestingly, we are told that God then looks at shame and at the respect and dignity that he accorded his father, that the initiative that he took to go place his father back in a respectful manner. He blesses him in four ways. Now next week we're going to go and understand how Shem, Ham and Yafet repopulate the world and who comes from whom. Suffice it to say for today Shame is the great great grandfather, great 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 grandfather of Avraham Avinu of Abraham, our forefather. And so Shame is the originator of the Jewish people because shame took initiative and acted in a manner which restored the dignity of his father. We were blessed in four ways. Firstly, as being the children of shame, it says we were given the privilege every day to wear talis and tefillin, to put on the talit and wear tefillin. Um, and, This is based on a Mishnah that says, Mitzvah, Gorerik Mitzvah. When you do an act, in its wake, you will find another good act will have resulted from it. And again, from that, another good act will have resulted from that. And it spills over generation to generation. The karma is quite unbelievable as it goes down. Of course, the... Vice versa also applies When one acts in a negative sense Then Avera gorerit Avera One negative deed will lead to another So what what was the reward for shame For covering his father That forevermore the Jewish people would have the mitzvah Of Talus and Philon, and would be able to cover themselves, enshroud themselves, strap themselves up, in holiness, in respect, in dignity, in integrity, in in, in integrity. And this was something that was given to us, and that we still keep to this very day. So that was the reward, and how great, and how huge, and how how eternal that reward is. For that one small act that shame performed himself. Another three instances where we see um, this covering is that when yeah, the second instance is when Nebuchadnezzar, um, who was the wicked Babylonian king, when if you look in the book of Daniel, there were three Jewish prophets by the name of Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. Um, and they were put up for for uh, working against the king and 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 uh, the king threw them into a fire. They were thrown actually in with their clothing. Now, not only were they not burnt because they themselves were meritorious as Tsadekim, but even their clothes did not get burnt. Um, Why? Because had their clothes been burnt, they would have been put in a position of being naked and that would have been very embarrassing. And we are told that they were worthy of this miracle of their clothes not burning because they were descendants of shame. And because shame was careful that his father had not been naked, then his offspring would also have been spared uh, the nakedness of um would also they also spared that that embarrassment. This is Mystical Text with Adol Kazilski Welcome back and we're discussing the the um, rewards for shame covering uh, his father in nakedness The first we learned was that the Jewish people Got the mitzvah of tal- Talit And tefillin, of talis And tefillin. and the second that when Nebuchadnezzar Threw in the three prophets Hanania, Mishal and Azaria Their clothes weren't burnt We're also told the third instance Where the merit of shame um, Was in force Was when Aaron's sons Entered the Kodesh Kedoshim This you can look it up in Leviticus Um they died, but and a fire consumed them. But in that instance too, their clothes were not burnt with them to spare them the embarrassment even after death. So the schutz, the merit of shame, was seen there. Fourthly, it says when Sancheriv the king of uh, Syria, came to destroy Jerusalem, his entire. Um, army was burnt. You can look that up in Isaiah. But their clothes remained intact. Why? Because Sancheriv was also a descendant of shame and he was spared this humiliation even after death. So we see how amazing and how important and how powerful each and every positive act that we perform can have um, across millennia, across generations, Um and you know, has has an everlasting effect. Now you can go and say, well, Yafit did come along, um, he, you know, he should be worthy of some good as well. Well here's an interesting thing and um, write it down, keep it keep it on your radar because um, this is still to come into uh fruition and will be coming very soon into fruition. One of the descendants of Yafet is, um, is a is a is a nation called Magog. Okay, we will have a look at it next week. It says the sons of Yafet were Gomer and Magog. Now, all of you know that as soon as you hear the word Magog, you hear the word Gog and Magog. Gog and Magog Is this war At the time of the arrival Just before the arrival of Mashiach Of the Messiah We know there will be a great great battle Known as Gog and Magog And by the way We know that one of the ways That we save ourselves From this horrible war Is that one should always be Very, very specific In eating the third meal on Shabbat But that's for another discussion Now Because Yafet acted in conjunction with shame, we are told that the corpses of Gog's army, it's going to be a horrible war. It's going to be nuclear in its, um, in its nature because we are told that there would be, there will be many dead bodies, um, to bury in that time. In fact, we are told in Yechezkel, for seven months shall the house of Israel engage in burying them, that they may cleanse the land. So the bodies of uh, Magog and Gog will there will be a lot of death. There will be a terrible stench, and um, they will they will take a long time to bury those bodies. But one of the 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 positivities of positive spins on this all is because Yafet went and covered his father, his descendants will have the merit of being buried in a dignified and respectful manner, meaning they'll be spared um the 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 the, the ingraciousness the 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 horrible thought of just allowing the, the the bodies to decompose or allow wild animals to devour their bodies they will be granted the respect of of burial um and that's upcoming so just imagine again yafit also did this right at the beginning of history and uh, the recompense the 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 um reward for his behavior will be seen in the Future now Noah wakes up and now we Understand when it says He wakes up and he realizes, realizes what his Smaller son has done to him and so he Curses him and he says "Cursed is this Canaan you shall be a slave slave to Your brothers and this is what actually Lands up Happening, Canaan gets cursed. He becomes a slave to shame and Yafet, and the sons of Ham. We will see, Are Cush, Mitzrayim, Put, and Canaan. We will see that next week and understand it a little bit more. So the Egyptians are a um, are our descendants from Ham. Um, they initially enslaved us but since then you can see that egypt has been enslaved forevermore and never been able to actually rise up the way that um they were once as that superpower um, yeah uh, shame gets blessed in, in, in his entirety and um we are told that canaan will land up eventually Being their slave Yafet, on the other hand um, He will land up Being a a positive force Provided that he lives Within the tents of shame Meaning that um, as Jews We bring to the world a morality And um, an integrity through the words of Torah Of how a human being should behave Etc cetera, etc cetera, and provided That the rest of the world um, Particularly the Christian world um, Behaves If they behave in Accordance with the seven mitzvahs of B'nai Noach then they too Will be Will be blessed And they will land up um, Living A a good life This Entire story Though nevertheless and I've really, in a sense, just giving, like touched the iceberg because there's so much more to say on it, still doesn't really, really uh, ring true for us in 2019. What could one possibly do with this story that on a very basic le- 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 uh, level is a story of degradation and um, a-, a story that really doesn't sit very nicely in giving moral instruction, say that we could say and we should say that one of the things that we learn from shame and yafit um, is that they were far more steeped and far more sensitive in the mitzvah of kibbut av, in the mitzvah of honoring this father, as opposed to Ham, who showed absolutely no compu- compuncture in in degrading his father. So certainly we can learn From um, These verses that one should always Ensure to honor one's parents Even if one's parents Act in a manner That um, puts them in A negative light We should move forward The way that um, Shame and Yafet did But nevertheless There has to be something Far more powerful that We can learn from this and we're just going to go for a short break. And when we get back, I'm going to give you a dose, a teaspoon of what our mystical texts tell us about this entire story. This is Mystical Text with Adel Kazilski. Right, let's get stuck into the mystical side of this. What do our rabbis teach? What do our Hasidic masters say about this entire story? And quite honestly, friends, this is, this is what fuels my life and makes me always excited to learn Torah, to teach Torah, to share Torah, because when you see it through the eyes of mysticism, through the eyes of Hasidus, one actually understands Torah in a more profound way. The basis of it is based on the idea of a saying that was taught by the Baal Shem Tov, which is um, Rabbi Yisrael Baal Shem. He is the founder of the Hasidic movement. He, in very short, uh, started in the late 1700s teaching the mystical texts, To the ordinary people And he went and said That whatever one sees And one hears in front of uh, one That one sees in front of oneself Is not only a lesson um, For him Coming to teach him something But many many times What you see in another person Is actually a reflection of who you are Meaning If I see you I meet up with you And you show a tremendous amount of aggravation um, Or anger um, at me, say you 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 are really and you, sh- you 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 display a tremendous amount of anger at me. It's not that we're arguing about something that's made you angry, but rather the fact that inside of me there is anger, and you are just reflecting. You are being a, a, you you're being a mirror as to. What is wrong with inside of me? And the Baal Shem Tov went on to teach that when one sees something negative in front of oneself, one should realize that mirror and ask oneself, what inside of me, um, do I have that same um, temperament? Do I have that same middle? Do I have that same characteristic? Do I have that same flaw and that I should look within myself to go correct it because once I correct it, I won't see that in that person or that circumstance out there. At the same time, while the Baal Shem Tov says that, okay, we do have a mitzvah in the Torah that if we see somebody doing something wrong, perhaps there is a situation where it's actually the person doing something wrong without it being an indictment or a flaw inside of me. And that, in fact, more so, I have the the um, the mitzvah, the commandment to go rebuke that person and say, "Hey, you're doing something wrong," okay? And it's actually got nothing to do with me. So how do we reconcile it? Do we look at the world and we see the negativity and go and say, "This negativity has absolutely nothing to do with me. This is a case of somebody making a bad choice, and in fact, they need to be rebuked and they need to be picked picked out on it," or do we go and say, look, well, all the negativity that I see outside of me is in fact inside of me and it has nothing to do with me. It's just a mirror I need to go work on myself. A very, very profound question. But the answer to it um, is learned from this story of Noah. And it goes as follows, and I'm really giving it in a pricey form, but hopefully to, to drive home the point and something for each and every one of you to think about. We can either choose to be and behave in the way of Cham, that's Narsan, or in the way of shame. What does it mean to, way, to, to behave in the way of Ham? Ham, as I explained, went and degraded himself in the ark. He came out, and he was obviously a person who looked upon others very negatively. Maybe he was filled with anger, maybe he was filled with shame, maybe he was filled with pain. I can't psychologically, uh, you know, um, dissect him completely. But he was a person who looked upon another and was very judgmental on another. And so when he's told by his son, hey, listen, uh, grandpa's not really in a very good state in the tent. Instead of him coming into the tent, even seeing what was going on and repairing what was happening in the tent, he acted in a very neg- negative way and actually made the situation worse by castrating his, his, his father. Not only did he do that, but then he ran out to go and tell his son, his brothers, Bachutz, outside. Why does the Torah say outside? The Torah translated in, in the, in, in, in the commentator, in the commentator, the commentators explained that it was in the marketplace, meaning he went and made a public announcement about it. And so what was the result that he became cursed from it? So you can be a person who looks upon everything that's negative, blames the other people for it or the circumstance for it, and not only that, that you're burning with your own anger, with your own revenge, with your own hurt, with your own pain, and you go out and you lash out at the situation, and you also go and tell your friend and your friend and your friend and your friend, and you make a big, huge thing about it. Alternatively you could choose to behave in the way of shame shame was very, very focused on the dignity, integrity and the respect of every single person and albeit though the situation did present itself that perhaps his father lay in a degraded state he came and he covered his father and the most important thing about covering his father is not that he walked in on his father and saw his father's nakedness on the contrary the Torah goes and says he did not turn back and look at his father's nakedness he walked in backwards, he threw over the cloak and he did not see anything negative in his father that is the way of walking around morally in a place where you see and you act in a manner of dignity integrity and kindness because you realize that the other person isn't in a compromised situation and that really epitomized shame so when you see negative out there uh, okay it's not for you to get angry about it um Act on it and go tell the entire Sunday Times about it and splash it all over the newspaper but rather find a way to restore the dignity and respect and integrity of, of the other and that really sums up the difference between having the ability to rebuke a person and then seeing the flaw in another and this is in summation the difference. If you go and look upon that other person and you are pointing a finger and it makes you, it re, it re, you react to it and you want to go tell other people and act like Ham, then you've got to learn the adage of the Bal Shem Tov, that everything you see is actually a flaw in yourself. Go fix up yourself. Don't go spill everybody else's nonsense elsewhere. If, on the other hand, you don't see any degradation and you don't see any negativity, but you only find that inside of you, you want to act out of love and out of concern for the person, then you can fall into the category of the person who's able to give rebuke. Because when you're rebuking, you'll be rebuking out of love without any type of self-intention, like anything that's, that's coming from the ego. Most times we go out and we point a finger at another person to make ourselves feel better. That's a very, very powerful lesson. And this is really the lesson that can be applied to us in 2019. Give it some thought. When you next time see something negative in your life, ask yourself the question, are you completely divorced from it emotionally, intellectually? You see it as something negative that needs to be rectified because then you will be doing it in a right way. Completely altruistically. But if it gets to you, if it like jaggers into your heart and it makes you mad, angry, painful, hurtful, know that that fault is in yours. Don't act like hum. Find a way to clear it out of your system and ultimately it will get off your radar, radar in front of you. With that, I wish you a fabulous week.